0: Verge, I am so excited to share this message with you today, so much so. Usually I'm sitting down when I do these, but I couldn't sit down. I got to be up today because I'm just really excited uh, for the word that God has sort of propped and plopped in my heart to give to you. We're in week nine of our series, but before we get to that, I just want to say welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. It is not lost on me or us that you would pop in and be interested in what God is doing here with us. And he is doing some incredible things. I am so proud of our church. I'm so proud of who we are becoming. And I'm so thankful that you are a part of that. Um, I just, If you have some prayer needs, you have some, something we can love or serve you, don't hesitate to reach out to us at engage at thisisconverge.com. Engage at thisisconverge.com. It's just sort of an email that if we can engage you wherever you are, we would love to do that. So let us know how we can pray for you. You need something uh, that we can provide for you. It would be our honor. I'd love to serve you as the church. So the reason, well, you, first off, you're lucky. You, you tuned in at a good time because I record these on my phone and I've got like 12% left on my phone, which just means I'm going to have to hurry. So you're left out by my by having a lot of phone calls today, taking a lot of FaceTimes and Zoom meetings on my phone today, because that means I've got to cram this message in quickly. So you're lucky, because I could preach this, and I could go a long, 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 long time. Last weekend, we uh, looked at at a man, and the book of John chapter nine, we don't know his name, we just know him as the blind man. In fact, Jesus says in the first verse of chapter nine, uh, he says, "There is a man who's blind at birth." Je- Jesus noticed in this man that he was blind, and I, I found it interesting. I unpacked it just a little bit. That we wish, maybe, I w- maybe I won't speak for you. I- I'll speak for me. I wish Jesus only noticed the things I was super proud of. Uh, I- why didn't Jesus say about this blind man? Jesus noticed he had strong legs, or a beautiful smile, or a great personality, or an incredible sense of humor. He may have had all of those things but what jesus noticed that he had was an inability to see and we unpacked a little bit yesterday that i, th- I think that's because jesus wants to meet us in the things in our life that we are most uh, embarrassed of or ashamed of or broken about and that's where he wants to write the story a redemption in our lives he wants to meet us in the broken so that he can give us a story of redemption we talked about our, that story being the greatest story we can possibly tell, and Jesus writes those stories in the broken places of our life. We just gotta be willing to open those up to Him. I want to talk about brokenness again today, but it's a little bit different. It's less about the brokenness that we feel internally. the 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 invitation to open up our lives to Jesus, and it's actually more about looking around our lives and the sometimes the broken places that we find ourselves in looking for God in those places our, 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 the letter that we're writing I'll, I'll read you I'll get you caught up so we're in week nine so nine sentences that we've put together to form this letter and it goes like this to the church of converge you be who God has called you to be let God's spirit guide you remember people matter most to so live in harmony and stick together don't waste your gifts and work together most importantly love well especially when it's difficult. Become mature, not just experienced or knowledgeable. Let how you live be your story to the world about Jesus. That was last week's, then this week's is look for God in the broken. Not just be aware that God is in the broken, not not just, hey, I want to give you some peace that God's there in the broken, no, but proactively be looking around and recognizing that God is here somewhere. And sometimes the brokenness kind of gets in the way of that. We sometimes think that God's some kind of cosmic goalie that's job is just to swat away the bad things that come out of our lives. And when, when trouble or, or challenge or heartbreak hits, us, something snuck by him and it got through, but that's just not the case. There are, are sometimes that something troubling or trying is in our lives. And the invitation is for us to say, be, because this is my life and you've never left me or you've never forsaken me, I know you are here. So if God help me see you and what you're doing in the midst of this brokenness. You, you probably don't know his name, but there's a man by the name of George Keith that, that really the, the inconvenience and disappointment saved his life. In, on September 10th of 2001, George Keith was driving his brand new Beamer through Central Park when it began to make a weird noise. And he was so frustrated, just spent good money on this on this Beamer. And now it's making these noises. And so he makes an appointment for early the next morning at 7 a.m. and says, I need to get this thing looked at. And you either I need, need to get it fixed or you need to give me a loaner because I have an 8 o'clock appointment that I need to get to. Yes, sir, Mr. Keith, drop it off. So he gets there on September 11th. 2001 at 7 a.m. but unfortunately the mechanic I don't know if he was overslept or was just busy doing other things but he couldn't look at the car until 8 a.m. <laughs> and George Keith was furious no none of us want to be waiting around especially whenever we just paid good money for this thing we got places to be he ultimately had to had to Email the person who his 8 o'clock meeting with And say, unfortunately I'm going to have to reschedule I'll 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 email you whenever I get to the office Later this morning So by 8 o'clock the mechanic can see it George Keith is frustrated The mechanic looks at it It was a quick fix And he's back on the road by 8.30 And he's on the freeway On his way to his 74th floor office In tower number 2 in the World Trade Center When he sees from traffic the second plane fly into the building, and ultimately the building come crashing down. He would have been in that office if it wasn't for car trouble the day before, followed by an oversleeping mechanic that ultimately had him sitting in traffic rather than behind his desk at his 74th floor office when the plane hit the building. I tell you, sometimes we want to see things in such first-person view. And the invitation is to peel back and to say, God, give me the ability to see this from your vantage point. Don't let me be so caught up with my vantage point that I miss what you're doing from your vantage point. Isn't that what the writer says, your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So God, give me your vantage point for my life. Paul teaches us that today. In Philippians chapter 1 Verse 12, Paul's writing this, in case you don't know that, where he's writing from, he's in prison. He's, he's writing this to the church in Philippi, trying to encourage the Philippians from a jail cell. And he writes in verse 12 of chapter 1, And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. What a perspective. He says in verse 13, For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. On the verse that will be on the screen in the theater behind me, that will be in bold and red. I am in chains because of Christ. Not I am in chains and for Christ, or not I am in chains and I am I, I, trying to find Christ in this somewhere, no, Paul was so aware of God's sovereignty in his plan in his life that he knew, if I'm in prison, this did not sneak past Christ. I'm here because he has allowed it. I am here because of Christ. That's probably why a couple of chapters later in Philippians chapter 3, he says, I'm pressing in to take hold of the one who has taken hold of me he says, now that Christ Jesus has taken hold of me, I'm pressing forward more and more and more to understand that he has my life completely, and so I'm holding on to the one who is holding me. So whether I'm in prison or whether I'm sitting in my recliner, it is all because of Christ. I did some, just for fun, some etymology research on the word because, and it just simply comes from the words by cause, or, or there, this is the root reason, this, this begets this, in fact, it says it's in introducing a subordinate clause or phrase for a reason that. So Paul says, I'm in prison chains for a reason that, Christ. I'm in prison chains. And it's usually followed by the reason, the why, or the account of. So this exists, and this is the cause for why this exists. I am in chains. On the cause of why Paul's in chains, he's actually able to say, not because... The judge sentenced him, not because he's wrongfully accused. He might be tempted to say those things, but that's not the root cause. The root cause is there's one that's taken hold of his life, and his name is Jesus. And so Paul says, no matter what happens in my life, it is for the cause of Christ. It makes sense why then Paul would say later in Romans chapter 8, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life nor angels or demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the very powers of hell can separate us from God's love. He goes on to say no power in the sky or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed to us in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing that can change that the purpose of my life is the one who has taken hold of me that I would learn to take hold of him. Philippians chapter 1 verse 12, or I mean verse 14 says, because of my imprisonment, See that word again? He's recognizing there's a, deeper, there's a deeper purpose than just prison. Because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Paul says something has changed because I gave way to the cause of Christ in my life no matter where I am. Paul's writing to Philippians that would be, he's a preacher. Paul's going to preach. He's going to show up in the church and give the message and probably take the offering. And he says to the Philippians, you're used to me sharing the message of Christ. So that means if I'm in prison, my cause of being here is the same as if I'm with you in church. The cause is that others might know the good news of Jesus Christ. My point here, number one, is kind of cheeky, but it's sometimes chains bring the change. Sometimes the change, the bond, what appears to be bondage, brings the change. It's where the transformation happens. It's where the transformative power is recognized and taken hold of. In chapter 2 of Philippians, in verse 5, Paul says, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And listen to this. It starts with an understanding of the cosmic reality of who Jesus is. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. That's not what he held on to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. He was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death. See that? He... He was allowed himself to be in chains so that he could be the resurrection power that would give everyone the hope of heaven. And Paul says if Jesus Christ was willing to take on chains so that I could be transformed and changed. Paul says, who am I to look at these chains and to think that they don't belong on me? And here's what happens when we're willing to see the the situations that we are in as God being able to use even those Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor. This is the very next verse. And gave him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Christ Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And Paul's saying that there has to be a, a, an awareness that it might mean that we have to be bound and find ourselves in bondage to something to know that on the other side of that, is still a God that's working it for our, our good. You say, we, what do you? That's what about whenever that we commit the sin and we're sitting in the consequences of that? Do you think that that sin trumps the ability for the work of Christ to be the re, the Redeemer, the Restorer, the Resurrector? No. And Paul said that in Romans eight. I already read it to you. Not even the very powers of hell can keep His love from us. So if the powers of hell can't keep His love from us, you think our sin? can keep his love from us even when our consequences are why we are chained up. We can in that moment say I will look for God in the broken even if I created the brokenness. Cuz I can be found in their chains can happen even when we find ourselves in bondage and chains whether we did it or whether we are falsely accused we can look for God in the broken I think that's why in Philippians chapter 1, verse 26, Paul says, And when I come to you again, when, I won't always be in these chains, he says. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me while I'm chained up. He says, if, if I can be faithful when I have chains on, it'll increase my message when I don't have chains on. You'll 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 be even more committed to knowing how faithful Christ is if I can cling to him even in this season. That's that's why my point number two says that sometimes prison brings perspective. Sometimes the chains bring change, and sometimes the prison brings perspective. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 20. I'll read four verses. In verse 20, it starts with, For I fully expect And I hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. I will trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. He's chained up, and he says, I think, I think I'm going to get out of here. Get out of here. I think I'm going to be released. But the reality of it is, I could be put to death. I could be punished to death for my, my preaching Christ. And then he says in verse 21, for to me, living means living for Christ. He says, dying? It's even better. If I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ, so I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between my two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better to me, but for your sakes, it is better. That I continue to live. In prison, Paul realized a perspective shift that said, if I get out of here, all I, that means is I'm going to continue to preach the glory of Christ in my life. If I'm in prison, then I'm going to continue to preach the glory of Christ in my life. If they kill me, then that means I get to see face to face the glory of Christ. Paul's perspective shifted because he knew that even if this is the very worst, and it doesn't get any worse than this, and this is the end, he has the hope of heaven. The hope of Christ that is an anchor for his soul. So he says, I'm in a win-win. And prison takes me to the the, the brink of my perspective where I either have to crumble to it or I say, God, you are here in the midst of it. And if I'm here, you'll get glory. And if you release me from here, I'll get glory. And if this kills me, then that means I get to see you face to face. But he says, I'm I'm pretty sure that you're going to want to use me, God, because what you're teaching me in here, the perspective that you're giving me in here is only going to help my message be more and more and more fruitful. The prison has a way of changing our perspective. How many stories Redemption stories. You know, the, some of our our favorite evangelists were these wild stories or, or what happened, to, we hit the rock bottom in our lives and we found Jesus and now that's the story that we're telling. Well, many, many times the prison of our lives, whether self-inflicted or otherwise, is where we, we get the perspective that we need to run to the arms of Jesus. Sometimes prison brings the perspective. That's probably why in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 Paul says and now dear brothers and sisters one thing one final thing fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise basically Paul saying I, I had to i had to keep and i didn't look around and always feel wonderful about where i was I, I didn't look around and 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 like the environment that i was in but i taught myself that the perspective is found in thinking about the things that are true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable before i keep reading I think it's a, whatever, whatever your hardship is, whether it's a relationship or a job or is a, 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 anything happening in your world. I don't want to start the rabbit hole of trying to hit them all. But I wonder what would happen if in the midst of that, you began to shift your perspective to see the things that God is still doing that is just so faithful the admirable things that he's doing, the ways he's using you, the the hopeful things that he wants to do in you, the the simple things around you, whether it be the sunset or something your kids say or insert a million things here. Paul's saying if you can learn to see those things as what Christ is doing in the midst of the prison, it will shift your perspective. And then that's why in verse 9 he says, keep putting these things into practice keep all the things that you've learned and received from me, keep doing them, everything you've heard from me and saw me doing, then, he says, and I've got that read and underlined, then, it's an if-then statement, if you can think about these things and keep them in the forefront of your mind and shift your perspective, then the God of peace will be with you. Are you lacking peace? Do you need some hope? What well, Paul would say to you and to me today that the key to peace is what, what you're thinking about in the middle of the prison. That, that, that prison is either going to kill you and rob you, or it can be a place to shift your perspective. And even in the midst of the prison, we can think about the good things that God is doing, and then the God of peace will be with you. So I, I built a, not a point three, but kind of a point two and a half. And point two and a half is sometimes prison brings perspective, and then perspective brings peace. Sometimes prison brings us to the brink where all we have is just to cling to these things, that, that, this, these hopeful things that in the midst of it, you're still doing these honorable, noble, good things in my life. And I just want you to know that even though this is happening, I see you doing those things. And, and when we shift our perspective, then what happens is that the God of peace enters our hearts. So sometimes prison brings perspective and then perspective brings peace. And finally and quickly, sometimes crisis brings Contentment. Sometimes crisis brings contentment. I wish I could tell you the stories of the number of times that I thought it was going to be the end. The news that would unravel my emotions. and have me just convinced that I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Maybe you have some of those stories and then somehow, not only did we get through it, but... God showed up to not only bring peace, but to bring the maybe even the change that our lives really needed. That that situation prompted the job change, which allowed you to enter a season of life that you thought would never be possible. That divorce was heartbreaking, but God's so faithful that he uses even the brokenness of divorce, and he doesn't leave us with a life sentence. He's, he doesn't force us to live eternally with a plan B or C because plan A didn't work out. No, he is so faithful. He is so generous that he gives us a brand new plan A. And we not only survived the crisis, we experienced deeper contentment because of it. That's why I think Paul says in Philippians chapter four, verse 10, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned about me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, For I've learned how to be content with whatever I have, writing this in prison. Paul says what this whole thing has taught me is, I had some needs and you provided for me and I'm so grateful for that. But but this crisis has taught me I don't need much. I can find contentment no matter what I have. He says I've learned to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I know how to... I know how, I've learned the secret. I love that. I, I, I kind of meditated on that this morning. I've learned the secret of living in every situation. Whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And Paul's doubling down on this one It's taking hold of him, and one that he's pressing in to take hold of. And with Christ, I can do anything. And he says, I've, I mean, he basically tells the Philippians lean in, I got a secret to tell you. When, when, when you learn a secret, you just got you to gotta, you gotta tell, you got to get it out there. And Paul says, I just wanted to let you in on a secret. I, I've learned how to do it with a lot or with little, with a full stomach or an empty stomach. I, I've learned I can accomplish anything in any circumstance through Christ who gives me my strength. When my strength is coming from Christ, I will never run out of gas. The one who is the well that if we drink from, we'll never thirst again. We'll be faithful. And we can never outrun His grace. His mercies are new every morning. And sometimes the crisis that we find ourselves in is the the catalyst for contentment in our life. That's been my story so, so many times. In the theater this weekend, we're going to sing. We're going to close with the old hymn, Come Thou Fount." Come thou fount of every blessing. We're doing it because of the line. I think it's in verse 2. It says, Here I raise mine Ebenezer. And I'm, before we sing it, I'm going to explain what that means. And When the writer says that they're raising their Ebenezer, they're, they're looking at a passage from, from the book in Samuel where Samuel talks about building a monument in Ebenezer to remember the faithfulness of God. And the point of these These rock statues were to remember God has been so faithful. And and, and Samuel's basically telling the people, but I know you. He says, we have short memories of how good God is. We're so quick to forget. And then the next crisis comes and we're like, God, how could you? And, And Samuel's reminding the people, so just build a monument so that you don't forget what you've been through. I don't, Samuel says, I don't, I don't want you to forget how faithful God has been and to believe the lie that the next crisis is the one that's going to undo you. Now, he's going to be faithful in that one too. We're going to sing a song in the theater this weekend just as a reminder to us that he's been faithful before. He's never failed before and he's not going to start now. My prayer for you before my phone dies is uh, that whatever you're going through, that you would look for God in the middle of it because he's there. Isn't that what we learned in Psalm 23? I love that passage. I've, I've quoted it so many times to you. Yes, he does lead us beside quiet waters. He does take us to green pastures. He does restore our soul. But there are times that we go through the valley of the shadow of death. But even there... I don't have to fear any evil because he's with me. He's there. And so if you're going through something difficult, if you're going through something that you just, man, you're stuck, unexpected, heartbreaking. First off, I just want to say I'm sorry. I, I, if, if we can help come alongside encourage, if I can meet and grab coffee and just hear your story and just, give you a hug and says I'm sorry but I we're we're in the mess with you. We'll walk through the messiness with you. I, I've said so many times in the latter half of my life in ministry, I wanted to just be covered in the messes that people are going through. I don't I don't want it to, a sterile clean church. I want to be a church that recognizes that life is messy. And as a result, ministry should be messy and Christ spent so much time, in fact, he says, I didn't come for the healthy, I came for the sick. Which means I'm going to get the colds and the strep throats and I'm going to get the COVIDs. I'm going to get sick, Jesus says, because I came for sick people. And in the messiness of life, that's what the church exists for, that's what we exist for. So while we are available, I just want you to know, in case we don't connect, that there is a God that is right there with you in the midst of it. And I'm just going to encourage you to look for him encourage you even maybe now just turn me off or hit pause or after i pray for you just to say god i know you're here and my circumstances are making it really hard to see what you're doing but i know that you bring change out of chains sometimes you bring perspective out of prisons sometimes and you bring contentment out of even crisis sometimes and paul somehow figured out how to see you in those things so help me to learn how to see you in those things as well. That's my prayer for you. Let me pray for you, God. I pray for our friend, my brother or sister, who's been listening or watching now. God, I just I pray that whatever they're going through, I just ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would, you know, like be a spark that they see is with them. I used to pray. God, be with this person, but what a silly prayer. I remember I was in the middle of praying, and I said, God, be with this person, and and you just I just felt this sense of like, okay, because you asked, like as if you're like, since you asked nicely, Dustin, I'm going to be with this person, and, and I knew instantly that you're always with them. You've never left. You've never forsaken, and even now, no matter what, my brother or sister, my friend is going through, you are there with them. So, God, give them the strength to look for you in the prison, the relational prison, the financial prison, the anxious filled prison, the discouraged prison, whatever it is. God, be there with them. The one who has taken hold of them, may they reach out and press forward to take hold of you. It didn't get by you, in fact, you're there. And you allowed it. So bring purpose to it. And to them in the middle of it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you, fam. I'll see you next week.